Uh, so tonight, uh, past three weeks, as uh, Ms. Bailey said, that is my wife, and I'm proud of her, thankful for her. Uh, we've been looking at the wise men, the wise guys, we've called them. We had a study on Proverbs before that, and we'll go back to that afterwards. When we get to about to the 8th, the 15th, and there of January. And so we've been looking at this song, the carol that was written, We Three Kings of Orient Are. And we've discovered that it was written in 1857, composed by a man named John Henry Hopkins. And he put it together for a Christmas pageant that he was working on. It was the first carol in the United States to gain popularity. Or the first carol originating in the United States to gain popularity. Many of the other carols, as you know, come from other countries. But this one written here in the United States, and it gained popularity. It had that Made in USA stickered on it. It's set up so that three men would sing the three different verses. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Put together that way for us as he put it together. Uh, the younger Hopkins was, uh, played the bugle. He played the flute in the school orchestra. He taught Sunday school. He was a man of many talents. He was a writer. He was a scholar. He was a preacher. He was a musician. He was an artist and a poet. And uh, as somebody has reported about him, he excelled in everything that he did. He was ordained an Episcopal priest in 1872, and he was totally devoted to his parish people, it's reported. He loved his people. He especially loved his children. He was a great developer of hymnody in the Episcopal Church. He had more than 40 hymns and songs that are attributed to him. Very, very prolific as a writer. He never married. A lot easier to do lots of things. If you're not married, you got a lot more time, right? <laughs> but he, here's, here's the last thing. He delivered the eulogy at the funeral of President Ulysses S. Grant in 1885. He was known. He was known. As this great man, a humble man, but a great man, and was known even to the president to be able to give a eulogy at his funeral. Now, we've sung this carol, and I promise we won't sing it next week. We will sing it tomorrow, though, if you come, all right? But on the first, we won't sing it. You've probably got all the verses down by now. Some of you just sang them for the first time. You didn't even know some of those verses were there because we've never done it. But what we said about that is there's some parts, and it's the first six words of that carol that will be said uh, don't appear to be true. The first is that there were three kings. We don't know that there were three kings. We know there were three gifts given, but we don't know that there were just three kings there. Matter of fact, a friend of mine had done some research this week, and he said one of the things he wrote said this. There could have been a thousand people that had come with these kings. The second thing that we've discovered as we've gone through it is that um, they're not kings. The Greek word in Matthew chapter 2 is not the word for kings. It is the word for wise men or astrologers, men who watch the sky and determine the events of the day through that. And the third is this. They didn't come from the Orient as we know it, the Far East. All right, But they came from Persia to the east, all right, westward proceeding as we, were, as we sing. They came from the east, from probably the area of Iraq and Iran. So it's been read to you even this morning, this Bailey, or this afternoon, what we have and what God put together for us. talks about in Matthew chapter 2, as they came, Herod the king heard this. He was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him when they asked, where is the king of the Jews? And they asked, and they knew where to go. 
They assembled all the chief priests, scribes of the people, and inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, and that would be Micah. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly, and he ascertained from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you found him, bring me word that I may too come and worship him. Ha, 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 ha. That's not in the Bible, but that's he was being very sarcastic here, right? After listening to the king, uh, they probably could figure out what was going on. They went, and they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose before them, until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they all fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they opened their gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own way, um, to another country by their own way. So I have that story before us. So last week, somebody sent me a picture of the wise guy. And so I asked last week if you all would send me pictures of the wise guys. So I have a number of pictures of wise guys that you sent to me. So we'll just kind of go through them here a little bit. Oh, this, this is not wise guy. This is not a wise guy. My wife said, for Christmas, take $200 and buy me a nativity set. And if there's anything left over, you can buy it and spend it on fishing stuff. That's not a wise guy. Okay. But I thought that was very interesting. So this is what we started off with last week. One of the, one of the, these were made uh, by somebody here in our church. Okay, let's see the next one. Somebody sent me this picture. Looks like up on their uh, fireplace mantle, maybe. All right, next one. All right, got some pretty exquisite ones in here. Next one. Guy in the middle looks really real, doesn't he? <laughs> Like, wow, he really does. He looks like he could just burst out like that on you. All right, next one. Okay. Ah, oh, there's some wise men you can eat. All right. Be a part of that. All right. There's a, okay, now on this one, um, the lady that sent me this one said her their wise men are on the east side of their house. Okay. They're still coming. Okay. All right. All right, and then one on the left here, go back to that one. The one on the left, the lady that sent me that one said, oh, yeah, um, it, it, uh, you've been saying it, 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 they came to a house. So they put a house in there. Now, now, I want you to know this. I did not make that up. I just read it to you. They came to a house. They weren't there at the manger. They weren't there in Bethlehem. I mean, it could have been, they probably were in Bethlehem, but not at the stable. I'm not making that up. I, I read it to you. A child, three times it says, and they came to the house. So she put the house in there to make it accurate. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> All right. Okay, here's a couple other sets. Somebody said beautiful regal pictures. Look at this one. That, yeah, that, that, those guys had the bag of gold, that's for sure. Oh, my goodness. Look at that. Cute ones there. Oh, and I thought this was good. Somebody sent me this one. Maybe he'd rather have a rattle. No, man, trust me. Babies love myrrh. Makes frankincense to me. <laughs> uh, I love it when you have fun with me. Thank you so much for all that. Okay, so what's true 
from this story and from also from the story we have in the accurate of Matthew chapter 2 that we know. They were guided by a star. We know that. We've called it GPS, a global positioning star, or a God-provided star, or a guiding purposely star, or God's perfect salvation, or God's perfect star. We've had all sorts of names suggested for the GPS that got them to Bethlehem. I came across this, uh, this little statement this, this week. It said this. Um, somebody said, I got a senior GPS. It not only tells me where I'm going, but why I want to go there. <laughs> As I'm getting to the senior moments, I understand that, but some of you young people can understand that too. You get up, you go into another room to look for something, and then you can't remember why you're in the room to find something, right? So get you a senior GPS. It'll tell you where you're going and why you're going there, right? All right, we know that's from the story. They came to worship. Third thing, Herod was troubled. Fourth thing, leaders knew the location. So Mrs. Bailey said, the leaders knew where to send them. And of course, they didn't go because they weren't wise guys to worship. There was a child in a house, and they got to worship. As we said, one author said this, offering incense and worship to a man or to a child was downright shocking. That just wouldn't happen in their world. And we know, lastly, that they brought gifts. All right? The guys brought meaningful prophetic gifts, gold for a king, symbol of kingship on earth and heaven. And we said, as we read, born on a king, as we sang, born a king on Bethlehem's plain, gold I bring to crown him again, king forever, ceasing never, over all of us to reign. And then we looked at Revelation 19.16. When he comes again, on his robe and on his thigh will be written, king of kings and lord of lords. To say, you are the king. They understood that. What God had revealed to that, they understood that they were going to see not just the king of the Jews, but the king almighty for himself. They brought frankincense in that they affirmed that Jesus was no ordinary man. He was God and man, but also that he was a great high priest that could take us into the presence of God. And even as we sang, frankincense to offer, have I? Incense owns a deity, God, nigh. Prayer and praising, voices raising, that's what we do, but that's how the priest led them in. We worship God on high. Since then, we have a great high priest who's passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast to our confession, Hebrews chapter 4. And then they brought myrrh, in that they affirmed that Jesus was the Savior who was going to die. Myrrh is mine, it's bitter perfume. Breathes a life of gathering gloom, sorrowing, sighing, bleeding, dying, sealed in a stone-cold tomb. And here's what Luke reports as he put together his gospel. Then he took it down, the body, talking about Joseph of Arimathea, and he wrapped it in a linen shroud, and he laid him in a tomb cut in stone where no one had ever been laid. You see, that's where we left Jesus last week. We can't leave Jesus in the stone-cold tomb. Tonight, we're going to celebrate that Jesus resurrected out of that stone-cold tomb as we sang earlier. Glorious now, read with me. Glorious now, behold him arise, King and God and sacrifice. Alleluia, alleluia, heaven to earth replies. He is risen. He is risen indeed. We're going to celebrate tonight Easter at Christmas time. Now, if, if maybe if you only come here at Christmas and Easter time, 
I'm inviting you back to come at Easter to see if we celebrate Christmas at Easter. <laughs> but I'd like to invite you back in between time because I think you'd find a great church with a passionate group of people who believe the words that we sang tonight and believe the words of Scripture. And they've been changed by the Savior who is Christ the Lord, the one who is the baby in the manger, the one who is the child in the house, the one who is the Savior who died on the cross for us, and the one who is the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. That's who he is, and we know him, and we invite you to join us in knowing him. So let's just briefly talk about Jesus as the resurrection, what that means. The key passage outside of the Gospels for the resurrection is found in 1 Corinthians 15. Where Paul says in verses 3 and 4, he says, For I delivered to you of what is of first importance, that I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. And then he appeared to Cephas, Peter, and then to the twelve, and then he appeared to more than 500 brothers. And as I was reading, I was reading a little commentary on this. Uh, he brought out the fact, he said, Paul says that he died according to the scriptures, and he rose again, rose again according to the scriptures, and they asked the question, you know what those scriptures are? And I had to go, I'm not really sure I know what those are. And it kind of piqued my interest just a little bit. Maybe it does yours too as you think about that. What are the scriptures he's referring to? Because he's thinking back, the scriptures they had at that time were just the Old Testament scriptures. And so he's thinking back toward that. What are those scriptures? Well, I'm going to share just a few of them today with you. The first is Psalm 16, 8. Through 10 says this <clears throat> I've set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand I shall not be shaken therefore my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices my flesh also dwells secure and here's the key part for you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your holy one see corruption now, now we read that and we go now, how, does, how does that how does David go from where he's at and then saying oh I'm speaking about the Messiah, the anointed one, the promised one in that last part. For you'll not abandon my soul to shield, yet let holy one see corruption. Well, Peter references that passage in his Pentecost speech in Acts chapter 2. He, he quotes it, and then he goes back and he again refers to it. He says this, Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us today my comment. He's saying, David died. They buried him. We know where his tomb's at. He's dead. He's still here. His body is still here in, in the flesh. He's still here in that sense. He didn't resurrect. But Jesus, and then he goes on, he says, being therefore a prophet, speaking of David, he says, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades. This is his words in the speech, in his sermon, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus raised up, and of that we, that we are all witnesses. So he's taking this, he's taking this verse and saying, that's what that verse means. He's speaking of the Messiah. He's speaking of Jesus. Comparing him to David, David's still here. He died. He didn't resurrect. Jesus died, but then he rose again. It's a reference to the fact that Jesus is alive. Glorious now. Next slide. Read with me if you would. Glorious now. Behold him arise. King and God and sacrifice. Alleluia. Alleluia. 
heaven to earth replies. He is risen. He is risen indeed. A second key Old Testament passage, and you probably know this, and it's from Isaiah 53. A beautiful passage about the suffering servant. And what Jesus did for us, as Isaiah writes some 700 years before what Jesus did for us on the cross. And it goes through there, and you know that's the verse, all we like sheep have gone astray, each of us turned his own way, the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And those verses talk about what Jesus has done for us, the Messiah has done for us. But we get to verse 10, and it says this, as Isaiah writes, under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He is put into grief, but he shall see his offspring, he shall prolong his when Isaiah writes that, he's not talking about Jesus having, you know, little children, because he didn't have children. He's talking about his offspring, those who are part of his family, those who are part of the kingdom family, they are part of the spiritual family of God. He's saying, he'll see those. Isaiah's writing 700 years before, and he says, he'll see them. In other words, he's going to die, but then he's going to be raised again, and he will see those who are part of his kingdom, his disciples, the people who followed him, that were part of his life. Glorious now, we behold him arise. Read with me. King and God and sacrifice. Alleluia. Alleluia. Heaven to earth replies. He is risen. He is risen indeed. And the third passage I'm going to leave with you, we start with Matthew. And in the book of Matthew, as Jesus is talking to the religious leaders, he says this. An evil and adulterous generation seeks a sign because they were asking him, show us a sign, prove to us you're the Messiah. He says... You're not on the right track. That's what they would ask. But no sign will be given to it except from the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was how many days? Three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. As one commentator says, as Jesus explains, Jonah and the big fish is an analogy of the death and resurrection of Jesus. Though Christ is obviously a much greater prophet than Jonah. Another commentator, Craig Bromberg from Denver Seminary, where I did my graduate work, said this, Just as Jonah's time in the flesh, in the fish, would have proved meaningless had he not been spit up into, onto the shore. What if Jonah died there? We wouldn't have any testimony. Jesus wouldn't be able to refer back to Jonah in three days and three nights. But Jonah was spit up on the shore to continue his appointed ministry of preaching repentance in Nineveh. So also the crucifixion is not the decisive sign of who Jesus was. For his subsequent rescue from death, his resurrection, is what vindicated his ministry and enabled his ministry to go forward. That's so good. He's so right on. Because this is how I put it. I heard this statement this week, and I'm going to add to this statement. If we didn't have Christmas, we wouldn't have Easter. Right? If we didn't have Christmas, we wouldn't have Easter. But we can say confidently, on the other hand, if we didn't have Easter, we wouldn't have Christmas. Nah, I got you on that one a little bit. I can see you scratching your head just a little bit more. You see, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, Bethlehem was a farce. Because he was just another little Jewish, precious little Jewish boy born in Bethlehem the poor peasant parents who lived and then died. You see, if, if, if Jesus didn't say, I'm going to rise from the dead, I'm going to be three days, and I'm going to rise from the dead, and, and he didn't do that, then he wasn't the Messiah. 
But he did because that's the evidence that he is the Messiah, the promised one, the Savior, born today in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Yeah. You see, if, if, if we didn't have Christmas, we wouldn't have Easter. And if we didn't have Easter, we wouldn't have Christmas. Jesus, I read this this week, Jesus left the magnificence of heaven and he put on human clothing. He lived a sinless life. He was rejected and crucified. And then he rose victoriously from the dead. He is risen. He is risen indeed. So we can say with Paul, we can proclaim life with Paul, what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 15. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Now, you're going to get probably maybe some gifts today or tomorrow night, or maybe you've been naughty and you're not going to get any. <laughs> but I remind you of this. As I read this week, the best gifts come unwrapped. The best gifts come unwrapped. And Jesus, think of this, Jesus came unwrapped. He came like you came and I came. We were unwrapped. We're just a bundle of flesh. And he came for us. And his presence is his greatest present. His presence in your life is his greatest present. Present. If you don't know Jesus, he offers you a free gift tonight. His presence. It says this, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God, the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. He wants to be a part of your life. If he's not right now, the greatest present you could give to him would to invite his presence to be a part of your life. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, how do you do that? Well, we call it the ABCs. Pretty simple. Just admit to God you're a sinner. You know what? You are. <laughs> We're all sinners. We've all sinned. We've all transgressed against God. We've done things that didn't please him. And because we've sinned, that separated us from the Holy Father. And so what do we need to do? The B is to believe. To believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sin, for my sin. And that he is the Son of God in doing that. If he hadn't rose from the dead, we'd know he wasn't the Son of God. That's the proof of who he said he was. Because he said he's going to die. He said he's going to be rejected. And he's going to rise again. And that's what he did. Because that's why he came. For you and for me. With this gift of salvation. He offers it to you today. It's his presence this day. Well then all you need to do is you just need to confess your faith in him. Commit your life to him. As we said in the Gospel of John. Say yes to him. Believe in him. For God so loved the world that whosoever believeth in him should, should not perish, not spend eternity away from Christ, but have 
everlasting life. Have eternity with Christ someday when death comes to your doorstep. And that's what he'd want for you. He would want you, if you don't know Jesus, to accept this free gift that comes through Jesus Christ. The beautiful, true story of what he's done for us. A beautiful, true story. You can have his presence in your life. Would you pray with me? Just bow your heads. Father, You're so kind to solve our problem, our sin problem. You said Jesus who came and who did not sin so he could be sin on our behalf. So that through him we could have a relationship with the Heavenly Father. We could be in his presence. And tonight my prayer has been all week is that if there's anyone here that doesn't know you as Savior and Lord, the one who has forgiven their sin, the one who makes possible the way to the Father. As you said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Put kind of positively, you only come to the Father through me. I pray today they would just say yes to you in their heart. They would just say yes to you. Jesus, I've sinned. You love me enough that you sent Jesus Christ to die for me and for my sin. And now I ask you to come into my life. Make me a child of the Most High God. And Father, for us that know Jesus, help us to live that way. Help us to live like we're a part of the family of God. With joyful obedience, because it's good for us. You know what's best for us. So thank you so much that we've been able to gather. Now as we finish up, as we think about the O Holy Night, how beautiful what you did in bringing your son to us. And in a sense, there was a lot of silence that night too. As we sing and offer these praises to you, may you be glorified and exalted. And thank you that we've had this chance to be together tonight.